I am a Manx advocate and I am standing because of my dissatisfaction and the dissatisfaction of many others with the way that um, government has been conducted in the past five years and I've been prevailed upon by the constituents of Douglas Central and some former and present MHKs um, to put myself forward and I'm very happy to do so. Okay so you've been quite you've been backed you've been prompted to do this from from other people? Well I think the Motivation has to come from within. So I have observed things um, go awry. I'm very concerned about that. I've talked widely with people in the constituency and I've spoken to those who are past and present members, although technically they're not members anymore, but you know where I'm coming from. And um, some of those have encouraged me to put my name forward and I'm very happy to do so. Okay, and your tagline in your campaign is an advocate for change. So how does your your role as an advocate, your past as an advocate, I suppose, help you fill this role, do you think? Okay, well, there's two parts to the strap line. The first is reference to the fact that I am an advocate um, and that as an advocate I'm a professional who is trained to represent the interests of others and that means to both advance and fight for their interests and I would like to advance and fight for the interests of the people of Douglas Central and the people of the Isle of Man. The reference to change is a reference to the dissatisfaction that I've heard on the doorstep in Douglas Central and more generally and I think we We can all agree that there are many things that are going on on the islands that are simply unsatisfactory. There is, of course, reference to the ubiquitous promenade project that has proved to be something of a catastrophe. It's good to see that it's well on its way to completion, but there are a number of questions to be asked about the way that we organise these capital projects, the question of management of legal risk and upon whom the risk falls when something goes wrong because it seems to me it's always the taxpayer that has to shoulder the burden and not those uh, those who have in fact not come up to scratch. So an advocate for change looking at improving the way of life on the Isle of Man, looking at addressing the key priorities that are coming across on the doorstep, the bread and butter issues and not the flights of fancy and the academic debate that seems so beloved by members of Tinwald who get bogged down in debates about matters which do not reflect the priorities of the people they represent. Okay, we'll take a a retrospective look over the past five years and tell me what you think could have been done better, what, what you think went wrong perhaps over the past administration. Okay, I think we need to look at the whole issue of management of our resources. The Isle of Man is a microstate and it enjoys a very good income. But it seems to me that the focus on priorities is lacking and it has to start with the budget and ensuring that budgets are balanced and that we use the income wisely. So we've seen the scope and size of government increase in recent years and the expense both immediately on our general revenue but more worryingly in terms of the future liability for example with public sector pensions is something that we must address and there is a substantial gap despite the fact that we enjoy a very high income um, as an island and we simply cannot just um, 
shrug our shoulders and accept that that must continue. Um, I think it's about priorities, and I think that the government has become complacent because of all this income. They've been able to buy their way out of difficulties, but that's not the way that most people conduct their lives. So. We can't just, you know, simply borrow a way out of out of trouble. We have to look at rebalancing. So I'm very keen to rebalance our economy between the government and the public sector and the private sector to reduce the size and scope of that and to to invest and incentivize the private industries for both existing and um, and new industries so that we don't deter investment. One of the things I'm particularly passionate about because of the feedback that I've heard from the from the business community is that the red tape is simply acting to deter investment in the Isle of Man. There are reports on a regular basis of difficulties opening a corporate bank account here. And that is simply unacceptable. And I think government and the regulator have just sat back thinking, yep, we've got this standard of regulation. We apply it an interpretation that we're content with, but that effectively creates an arbitrage between the island and other um, and other jurisdictions, which is leaving leaving us at a significant disadvantage. We cannot sit back and allow this this to continue. And our banking sector has been hollowed out. We've got the example of the Isle of Man Bank now being operated from the Channel Islands. How that was ever allowed to happen, and how that can be sound regulation, I do not know. I appreciate there are challenges in the way that banking organizations organize themselves but i think as a i think we've got to look at the isle of man's interests here and we've got to fight for those and not simply simply sit back and let things happen. I have spoken to leaders in the business community who have simply given up on using Isle of Man banks. That is very, very worrying because they're using the Channel Islands, they're using the UK, they're using they're using Europe and they're even going as far as as Mauritius, for example, and we're losing that business. So I want to reset and rebalance things to get the right balance between the public sector, which provides the frontline public services that we enjoy. Um, but at the same time, we need to grow the private sector, because that, of course, is the engine of growth and revenue, which supplies the public sector. But how do you go about changing regulation without initially perhaps scaring some of the banks we have left on the island off? And what, what sort of timescale are you thinking in terms of that? Because obviously we're, we're seeing banks go. We've seen the Alaman Bank go in peel. So how quickly a turnaround are you anticipating on this? Can it be done in the next five years? Well, I think it's about it's about diagnosing what the problem is. I think where I think if you're talking about branches, I think the problem is that the governance is occurring off island. I think we have to accept in terms of branches around the island that, of course, there is a revolution going on in banking and that there is more and more transactions carried out online and people are expected to use online facilities. I accept that change. But what hasn't happened in uh, public life is that the issue of red tape and regulation has not been called out. And I believe that is born out of the fear of the consequences of doing so. I was prevailed upon by a senior lawyer, not to mention his name in, in, in any uh, reference to this question, because he was fearful it might injure his standing with the regulator. I think if we have that sort of culture, uh, or the perception that there is that that potential reaction, then we, we have a problem. And we need, and I am calling it out, I don't think anybody 
uh, in the in this um, election campaign has done so, but I am not afraid to do so. I don't do with this, do it with a sense of judgment. I do it with a sense of curiosity and disappointment that we need to have a difficult conversation. To your point in relation to the time frame, I think that 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 is difficult to discern. But we we certainly need to have the conversation, and we certainly need to have a, a concrete strategy to look at the regulation to see. Can it be streamlined to see is the interpretation that we're applying in respect of Isle of Man bank accounts appropriate to, to, to look at the way that banks themselves are applying the regulation and applying policies? Are they proportionate? Because proportionality has got to be a key issue. I don't mean to bang on just solely about the the financial industry, but it is very important because it is the foundation for investment here. If at the end of the day you can open a you can set up a bank structure, um, and but you can't open a bank account here, you're not investments going no place. You mentioned fear of the regulator there and red tape exactly. Um, do you not think that's Perhaps a good thing, though, to to avoid people from well from sticking to the regulations in the first place, and any any sort of change or relaxation, perhaps an approach, might almost persuade people to abuse the system more. No, I don't think that's right. I think I'm talking about proportionality. I think I'm talking about the fact that the general experience is that we've talked our way down 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 a track which is not leading to the right outcomes for the Isle of Man. I'm absolutely full square behind the regulator's efforts to ensure that the Isle of Man is a stand-up and well-regulated jurisdiction. What I'm not supporting is the fact that we are allowing financial institutions, we're allowing an interpretation of regulation that is ultimately harmful. There is a conversation that needs to be had. We need to go on a journey, start a conversation and start to reverse that decline. But there, of course, are many other more pressing issues in relation to Douglas Central um, in particular. And of course, my, my, my broader agenda for improving the quality of life on the island. So what are the issues on the doorsteps of uh, of Douglas Central? Have you started campaigning yet? Absolutely. I've been canvassing um, as much as I can in the past few weeks, and I've heard an overwhelming um, desire to see infrastructure improved. It is very clear to me as I walk around the constituency, having driven around it mostly uh, in the past because most of us are attached to our cars um, too much. But as I've been um, out and about meeting and greeting and looking at the state of the infrastructure, it's very plain to me that there are, there is, in fact, uh, evidence of decades of neglect. And that has to be reversed because, again, I feel that government has lost sight of priorities. I'm I'm talking to people at length because they're so passionate about the way their neighbourhoods have been neglected, the way that pavements uh, are in a, in a very bad state of repair and that they have fear for safety in respect of road safety, issues of speed and traffic levels, uh, which are of great concern, and also impact the quality of life because of noise pollution, for example, um, and people using some of the, some of the side roads as, as alternatives to the main arteries into the town. So I've listened very carefully to, th- to that. There are some concerns about planning issues. There is a concern 
in central Douglas about the 5G mast that is proposed to go up. And some people are even talking about leaving the area because of concern about safety. So I think that it's very clear, going back to my back to my strap line, that people feel that their voices are not being listened to and their priorities are not being addressed. Mm. Do you think then people believe Douglas Central needs a facelift, perhaps? Or would you support, because you mentioned there, we're perhaps too attached to our cars, noise pollution, that's that's to do with roads uh, primarily, I imagine. So yes, would, you, right. would you support pedestrianisation of certain zones in Douglas Central? Well, I think let, let's just... Let's just address the points in the order in which you raised them. You talked about a facelift for Douglas Central. I think, it, well, if I get, if I am elected, I will push for a clearly um, costed program of infrastructure improvement in Douglas and in other towns and villages across the island. Now it's, we've had the promenade in in Douglas Douglas East. Yes. Um, do you think the wider Isle of Man would support any more spending on Douglas at this time? Well, I think the point about it is that, you know, the Douglas is the capital. It is the place where, where a very substantial proportion of the island's population live and work. But I did talk about infrastructure more generally. And it's clear that there has been decades of neglect, despite the fact that we've been a very prosperous microstate. And it's very important to address that balance now. I think people will support improvements in their quality of life, especially if it means that the roads and pavements roundabout are in in good condition and in good order. I think that the issue of traffic is something which is very uh, dear to the hearts of Douglas Central residents and more generally in Douglas. And I certainly would support looking at the creation of low traffic neighbourhoods by appropriate measures, but it would have to be conducted very sensitively after an appropriate consultation to ensure that the local knowledge has been properly taken into account. Invariably, there'll be a compromise, but if people see the outlook from their properties improve because of because of investment in roads and pavements and traffic appropriate traffic calming measures then i think that they will welcome that in the long term even though there may be some uh, temporary disruption but what must happen and what we are not seeing in the way that government conducts itself in entering into contractual arrangements is the the proper apportionment of legal risk i use the analogy of purchasing a a new house. If I purchase a new house, I exchange contracts for for a price. That price should not shift on completion of the of the the purchase. And when I move into the new house, I expect the roof to be sound and not to leak. I expect the central heating to function and not to pack up and the doors to to not to be hanging off the hinges. But it seems to me that where the Isle of Man government enters into such arrangements, the price shifts between exchange and completion. When they enter the house if the the roof is leaking or the doors are hanging off or the windows fall out or whatever it is, it seems to be on the government for which read the taxpayer. The government spend the taxpayer's money and the government should protect the taxpayer. What I fail to understand, and frankly, the silence is deafening, why is it that we seem to have entered into contracts where a 
party who is providing a service, whether it's the construction of a road or laying uh, tram lines or whatever it might be, street furniture, lighting, whatever it may be in relation to infrastructure, when they make a mistake, go over the allotted time, there seems to be no compensation or penalty and the taxpayer is not protected. I cannot believe that the contracts do not protect the taxpayer. So to me it's the question why is why are those in government or in positions of responsibility not pursuing the taxpayer's interest more aggressively. As a legal professional, I know how important it is to apportion the risk in any contract to ensure that if should something go wrong and it's the fault of a party, they have to put it right. But that seems to be completely reversed here on the Isle of Man, and that cannot be right, and I would not stand for it if elected. You're talking, I, I believe, in veiled terms about the, the Liverpool landing terminal as well, it's, uh, well, amongst wider wider things as well. But it has been said that those negotiating teams sent over to Liverpool um, were almost bullied into into allowing that overspend that's, uh, that's occurred there. Do you think you'd have handled that differently? Well, I don't know quite what's happened. I think that there are narratives um, which have been put about to try and explain the state of affairs. What I find deeply puzzling is that we would apparently enter into a contractual arrangement to design such an extraordinarily expensive landing stage for uh, tailored to one craft in particular. That seems extraordinary. It seems balmy, frankly, and I'm not accepting it. I would like to see those contracts in detail and have a better understanding of them. If, in fact, the those that um, were were in fact entering or nego- entering into contract or negotiating of the uh, negotiating on behalf of government didn't understand what they were doing that should have been escalated i find it puzzling deeply puzzling that we have a very significant government legal service known as the attorney general's chambers which has a very fine cadre of lawyers and i cannot understand why the issue of legal risk and apportionment is not being addressed i am not quick to judge. I am not taking on face value the claim that there was a, 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 that the A team met the C team. I'm not prepared to accept that because at the end of the day, it would have led to the distillation of negotiations in the form of a contract. And that must be reviewed by legal experts who understand the nature of that particular type of contract. And I am not hearing a narrative as to that part of the process. So I'm not prepared to simply blame civil servants um, and to suggest that, that, that certain people were out of their depth. Even if they were, there should be safeguards in terms of the legal review. And I'd like to understand that process better, because we certainly have adequate provision. But I'm, I'm, I believe it's a deafening silence as to what exactly has or hasn't gone wrong. Is it a political decision um, not to, to pursue matters in relation to the contracts? Is it a lack of understanding or insight? I think we need to know more before we can formulate a proper view on that. Okay, so we're running to our final couple of minutes now and I just want to ask you it's loosely based on what we've been talking about just there and the role of um, civil servants and the role of government and and Timwald and where do you see yourself fitting into Timwald do you see yourself as more of a a backbencher or would you strive for a ministerial role well I think the priorities always have to be to represent the people who elect you and so I would be wanting to learn the the 
process of government. And I would want to listen very carefully to ensure that the interests of those who elected me are represented and advanced properly and that their issues are fought for. So to me, the issues of health and education and proper transport provision and infrastructure issues, a whole raft of issues and concerns to ensure that education is matched to the needs of our community. So young people have jobs um, that, that match the, the training and education that they've had. In terms of health, we've got to focus on public health measures. We know that there are issues in relation to mental health and addiction. We've also got to promote um, prevention rather than cure. And we've also got to look at transport, particularly transport security, because it seems to me that our air links are very vulnerable to whichever airline decides to pitch uh, up on the Isle of Man and offer its services. And if they decide it's not attractive, then they go and leave us in the lurch. But also infrastructure issues, such as the concerns about housing for our young people, that the roads and pavements we've already talked about, and obviously that the climate change agenda uh, in terms of what we can do on the Isle of Man to do our bit as a responsible community can be advanced in concrete terms along the road. Damien Chappelle, thank you very much.